Hey everyone, welcome to Hub City Church. We are ordinary people following an extraordinary God together. If you want more information about Hub City Church, find us online at thehubcitychurch.com connect and fill out our digital connect card. Now let's dive into this week's message. Our scripture for today is John 11, 20 through 32. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her They followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Todd. Good stuff. Well, happy Sunday, everybody. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Yeah? All right. Sweet deal. It is, uh, it is Holy Week. We're amping up for Easter. Thank you, Katie, for sharing about that. That's awesome. And uh, for being bold and jumping up here. Uh, and we are concluding this series that we've been talking about uh, reassembly required, this deconstruction theme of uh, taking apart our faith. And one of the things that we've repeatedly said is faith is a journey. It is not a destination. Often we think of faith as a destination on the map, and yet it is a journey. And along that journey, we have moments where we wrestle with what we believe. We struggle to analyze and question, and we dismantle our beliefs. And one of the things that can trigger this deconstruction process or this dismantling is ever feeling alone and abandoned by God. And we can have moments like that. It's like driving, uh, like if you've ever found yourself driving, I'll illustrate it here, driving on an isolated road, you're headed to a destination, right? You and your spouse are going on a date night, you're going to go find this restaurant, or you're going to go over to somebody's house, and they live way upriver, right? Or way out in Bow. Bow's way out. I don't go into Mount Vernon. Like, it's just, that's too far. So if you live in Mount Vernon, I love you. I pray for you. I don't like crossing the river. But I've been to some things upriver and out and or into eastern Washington. Holy moly, that's like going in another land, right? And, but you've ever gone somewhere and you're like, okay, we're going here to eat or we're going to meet some people at their house or whatever. And you're driving and you're following the GPS and you end up on this podunk road that's like two, ro- two lanes, there's no signs, there's no cars, there's no electricity, there's nothing. And, and you're wondering, like, at the end of this road, is there anything worth actually going to? How many of you have found yourself in this spot? 
and you're driving and the GPS for some reason is taking you way out there. And you're like, there had to be another way to get there. How many of you have had moments like this? Come on, raise your hands, right? And you're talking in the car, right? And that talking gets a little more fun and spirited as you're, okay, well, is the GPS right? I don't know. I think it's right. I punched it in, right? Well, we don't have Wi-Fi because we're so far out of the zone now. What do we do now, right? And we've lost this and we, uh, no, no, no. nobody likes being lost. Nobody likes the feeling that you might be lost. So what do you do? Do you turn around? Do you pull over? Do you fight with your spouse about it? Do you get their phone? Fine. If Apple Maps doesn't work, Google Maps will work, right? Waze will work, whatever. Let's figure it out. How many of you just like, forget it. Let's find a new restaurant. Let's find one we can actually find, right? How many of you have changed directions or changed destinations mid-course because this thing is way out there and it can't be that good if it's that far out? Nobody? Come on. Life can be like driving on that lonely, isolated road and that kind of journey And at times we will find ourselves on this isolated road in life and we will wrestle with these questions and and we're looking around and we're like, God, I don't see you. Uh, You're not answering my prayers. I don't feel God right now. I feel alone. Did God give up on me? God seems pretty silent. Is he ignoring me? We're going down these roads. And you thought, oh, well, I'm following the GPS of life, right? I'm following the Bible. I'm following my faith. And just like we question Siri, and just like we question Google Maps, there's times that we would then question our faith, our theology, our understanding of Scripture. And we will wrestle with the same response. Do we just turn around? Do we pull over? Do we change destinations altogether? Do we start believing in something else? Do we start following something else? Do we give up on what we were following to find something else that's going to hopefully get us to a destination that is more fulfilling? This is what that deconstruction process can feel like for us as we're in this journey of faith. Today, we're gonna look at the story of these two sisters, Mary and Martha, and their example will encourage us. Their example will encourage us with two takeaways that we can apply to our own faith journeys, not just look at it and say, wow, that was nice. We're going to apply these two takeaways to our own faith journeys and see that the reassembly of faith can happen even in our isolated moments, even in our lonely moments, even in our darkest moments. Jesus can reassemble our faith. And when I say darkest moments, I don't want to sound melodramatic or theatrical, but really, I mean, you think about Mary and Martha's story and what Todd just read, they are confronting Jesus in a moment where their brother Lazarus has just passed away. He had gotten sick and they sent out help, you know, carrier pigeons, whatever, sent an email to Jesus like, hey, please come help us. Ping, we're here. We need healing. We need help. Jesus doesn't show up. What are they feeling? in this moment of grief, in the moment of loss as they've just watched their brother pass away and had to bury him in a tomb. What are they feeling inside? It's darkness, sadness, heaviness, brokenness, anger maybe. But in the midst of all of that, in their response, we also see a disappointment, a, a letdown, a, hey, Jesus, you didn't show up like you... You usually do. 
I've seen you do things. You didn't show up in my story. And they ask him this question with their words. They, they, they say, where were you? And this is a question I think some of us wrestle with, with, with our faith is, God, where are you? Look at the, the way Martha and Mary respond to Jesus. When Jesus finally strolls into town, they go to him and they say this to him. They said, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Where were you? Why weren't you here? Why didn't you show up? Where have you been? Those feelings of abandonment and distance from God are not just exclusive to Mary and Martha. They are seen throughout Scripture. You're going to see, as you look at your Bible, you'll see people all throughout Scripture who wrestle with that question. God, where are you? Where were you? When are you going to show up? I mean, just scroll through all the Sunday school stories you remember as a kid, right? Moses. God, where are you? Job, God, where are you? David, Elijah, the prophets, all of them at some point, God, what are you doing, man? Where were you? Where are you? Even Jesus himself, while hanging on the cross, screams out in a loud voice in Matthew 27, 46, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? Jesus himself wrestles with that. And I think that in this moment, some of us, as we're talking about this idea of feeling abandoned by God, you can relate to that. Maybe that's reading your mail right where you're at right now. Maybe it's somebody you know, somebody close to you, a loved one, a friend. And as we talk today, I, I want to I just create a safe space for us to say, it's okay to feel that. Be honest with Jesus with how you feel. Mary and Martha are honest with Jesus. Where were you? If you had been here, share your feelings, share your darkness, share your disappointments, share your letdowns, right? Just share where you're at. It's kind of like if we talk about faith being a journey, you know, you go, remember malls and you have the mall kiosk directory, right? What did you always look at? Boom, you are here. You looked at those giant maps, and where am I? I see a Sephora, I see a JCPenney, but I want to get to the Lego store because my kid wants to go to the, where is my, where am I? Right? You got to look for that red dot. Well, here's where I am. You are here. When you're honest with Jesus, you can share where you're at with Jesus. You're saying, Jesus, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm feeling. Mary and Martha are saying, Jesus, this is where we are. Where were you? And once we acknowledge where we're at, well, then how do we respond? Because I don't want to stay there. I want, I want to move forward in my faith. I want to move forward in my growth. But how do I build faith in God when I feel like God let me down? That's what today is all about. How do I build faith when I feel let down by God? And so we're going to look at Mary and Martha's example and see two takeaways that are going to help us to Two takeaways that are going to help us rebuild our faith even in our darkest times. 
The first takeaway is, is simply to come to Jesus. When they see Jesus in the distance, what do they do? They go towards him. They go towards him. When Martha got word, look at this, in verse 20, when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. Verse 28 through 29, she, she called Mary, Martha did. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Mary and Martha keep going towards Jesus, even in their dark moments, even in their tough circumstances. And this is tough because our instinct is to bail on God because we feel like God bailed on us. If I'm Mary and Martha, I would sit in the room and say, he didn't show up. You come find me. My instinct, our instinct sometimes as humans, is to bail on God because we feel like God bailed on us. And we've learned this from our human interactions, right? Nobody loves the feeling of being abandoned, rejected, hurt, forgotten, replaced. Those are fun words. Nobody's raising their hand to say, yeah, I want to feel that. It's my biggest fear is that fear of abandonment. It wrecks me. That fear of being rejected, forgotten, and abandoned and alone. And so what do we do because we hate that feeling? What do we do with humans? We don't want to feel that. So we preserve ourselves. We protect ourselves. We control what we can control. And so we leave people before they can hurt us. We keep people at a distance. We replace people with different people that make us feel better about ourselves. And I think we can do the same thing with God in moments, and that's why this makes it, it's a little tough. It's not our instinct, right? But we could do the same with God. We don't run towards Jesus. We run away from Jesus in those moments. We run to distractions and careers and busyness and all of the things that make us feel better. We run to people. How many of us keep God at, a, at an arm's length? Okay, God, I'm hurting right now, but I'm going to keep you over here because I don't know if I can trust you. You didn't show up. Keep God at a distance. We replace God with other things. We bail on God because we feel like God bailed on us. And I think we have to fight that instinct to escape, and instead we have to choose to engage. Mary and Martha come towards Jesus. They move towards Jesus. How do I take a step towards Jesus if I feel like Jesus has abandoned me, though? How do I take a step towards Jesus? This is, this is, if I was sitting in your seat, this is what I would argue, right? Like I argued with myself this week. Yeah, that's nice, Sean, come to Jesus. But if I feel like God has bailed on me, if I feel abandoned by Jesus, how do I take a step? That's like walking in a dark corn maze without a flashlight. Where do I go? Where do I turn? Jesus left me. But thinking about Mary and Martha's story for a moment, did he abandon Mary and Martha? No. He just didn't show up in their time. He still loved them, he still showed up, and he still did the impossible. Did he abandon them? No. He showed up in his time. He showed up in his way, and he did what he knew he needed to do for a greater fruit than they could even imagine. But we have to understand that God doesn't abandon us. 
Jesus didn't abandon Mary and Martha, and Jesus doesn't abandon us. When, when Jesus is, is with the disciples after the resurrection, one of the things he says in Matthew 28, 20, you can be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that promise is still true today. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm with you in the valleys and the mountains and the twists and the turns. I'm with you. Jesus hasn't given up on us. Jesus is present. He hasn't left you. He hears you. He loves you. He knows you. We have to understand that. We have to believe that, that Jesus is present. Jesus is with us. Knowing Jesus is present, we choose to engage his presence. So if we, if we can believe that truth, that Jesus has not abandoned us, well then in that truth, we have to then choose, okay, then I'm gonna engage his presence. I'm gonna come towards Jesus. I'm gonna step towards Jesus. Hebrews puts it like this. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious, Father, our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Hebrews 4.16. Let us come boldly the throne of our gracious God. Let us come boldly to the throne, not timidly, not reluctantly, not stubbornly, not in an ultimatum fashion, but boldly coming before Jesus. Mary and Martha come boldly to Jesus and say, Jesus, I see you. I'm moving towards you. Even in my darkness, I'm coming towards Christ. How do we do that? that. That Hebrews passage reminds us, though, that it is in the presence of Jesus that we will find everything that we need. Look at that passage, right? So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. It is in the presence of Jesus we will find everything that we need, and we've just got to choose to come to him. That we wouldn't treat Jesus like the stranger at the dinner party that we don't know. You ever gone to somebody's house for like a party and, or to some event for work or something like that? And like there's somebody there that you don't know and you're just kind of like, whatever. You just ignore them. No, I'm the only socially awkward person that ignores the stranger I don't know. Come on now, right? You're just like, I don't know this guy. Why is he here? It's a work party. It's a family gathering. Who's this, Right? And you just kind of like always maneuver yourself away from that person. You kind of do that little dance. Avoid eye contact. No? You're laughing. So I know that some of you awkwardly feel that same awkwardness that I do at that. Right? And I think some of us treat Jesus that way. We know he's in the room. We know he's at the party. We know he's in our lives. But we kind of treat him like, I don't know if I want to make eye contact with that guy. I don't know if I want to talk to that guy. Hebrews reminds us boldly. Come and be with him. How do I boldly come to Jesus? How do I come to the throne? How do I engage his presence? Talk to him. Very simply, go on a walk this week and talk to Jesus. It's weird, I know. Go on a walk. How many of you love going on walks? Oh, more hands. I'm just seeing you, you know, this works. Yes, hallelujah. You love going on walks. Go on a walk this week and talk to Jesus out loud. Nobody's listening anyways because you're alone or they got earbuds in. Just go talk to Jesus. How many of you love listening to music? Just making sure you're alive. Come on. 
Everyone loves music. Listen to this music this week and worship Jesus in that music. Honor Jesus in the music that you listen to this week. That's engaging the presence of God. He's in the room. Will I sing to him? Even though I can't sing very well? Just make sure my family has their earbuds in. Will I go on a walk and I talk to him? Will I open up the Gospels and read about him and what he did and what he said? Will I take time to be silent and find solitude alone in my quietness and just listen to my God? Boldly come into his presence. It's not complicated. I think we just overcomplicate this stuff. Just to boldly come into the presence is just to engage and say, Jesus, I know you're with me. You haven't left me. You will not leave me nor forsake me. You will not bail on me, reject me, abandon me. Jesus doesn't do that. We just ignore him. Mary and Martha pursue Jesus, and they remind us to come towards Jesus. And in doing that, it shows their heart. And the second takeaway, that they keep trusting, and they stay devoted, and they keep believing. And the second takeaway that we see in Mary and Martha is not just that they come towards Jesus, but they cling to their faith in Jesus. In verse 22 and 26 and 27, it says, but even now, this is Martha speaking, even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. This is Martha talking to Jesus. She's clinging to her faith. Even now I know God will give you whatever you ask. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, and the one who has come into the world from God. Martha is in a dark space, mourning the loss of her dear brother, wondering where Jesus was, and yet she's in a moment clinging to the faith that she has in Jesus. Even now, even in this dark moment, she doesn't stop Believing these are small town girls living in a small town world. I know you all went there when I don't don't stop believing. They didn't take a train to nowhere, but right? A midnight train going. I'm terrible at lyrics. I even have them in my I looked it up this morning because I went there and I knew you would go there when I said don't stop believing. Right? And I forgot the lyrics. I can't even remember them. And it's a karaoke classic. But these are small town girls and they are just hanging on. And they don't, see, I'm struggling, but they don't stop believing. Bobby, we should sing that for worship, right? Don't stop. That's the part I know. Okay, that's enough. Speaking of faith being a journey, now you're with me. They didn't stop believing, but what do they cling to? They don't cling to these philosophical PhD dissertations with a bibliography. They don't cling to a four-square doctrine statement with 14 points. She clings to these little, small truths about who Jesus is. And I look at her example as she's clinging to this faith, and it's, again, these small little truths. You are the Son of God. You are sent by the Father. The Father hears you. I believe in those small things. It reminds me of um, those that are really into rock climbing 
They don't need massive holds to grab onto. Now, I am not one of those people, but have you seen this movie, this documentary, this free solo movie? It's about this guy that climbs without any ropes or harnesses or anything. I mean, it's just real crazy, just stupid stuff. But what is amazing is how they can hold their body weight, not my body weight, but their body weight with nothing. They got nothing to grab onto. I mean, look at how much he has to grab onto, right? What is he clinging to? Nothing. Just pebbles. And he is just hanging on there. But he is clinging to the rock. And Mary and Martha in this moment, what are they doing? Clinging to the rock. They're clinging to Jesus. Paul encourages his protege Timothy to do the same thing. And he words it like this in, in 1 Timothy 1.19. Cling to your faith in Christ. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. What a vivid verse. What an image, right? Shipwrecking your faith and clinging to your faith. Let's think about shipwrecking our faith for a moment, crashing our faith on the rocks. There are people with Mary and Martha, Mary and Martha, in this story, and if you go back and read it, there are people with them crying and mourning and taking care of the house duties and doing all these things, and they're saying, Jesus didn't show up, and he could have. You should bail on this guy. Where was he? You should shipwreck your faith in that guy. He didn't show up. We know people in our own lives that will challenge us to try to take the captain's wheel of our ship and crash it into the rocks. You yourself may have just at some point thought, why do I believe this stuff? And we've been cruising along, and then at some point, like Paul says to Timothy, they will shipwreck it, they will crash it, they will give up wherever we land. Let's make the most of it. And then the other side of that is not to shipwreck our faith, but to cling to our faith, to hold tightly to our faith. Mary and Martha hold tightly to, what does she say? Jesus, I believe you are the Messiah. Jesus, I believe that you are God's son. I believe that God will hear you. She's hanging on. I mean, look at that picture. There ain't nothing. Just little things. Cling to that faith. And that's how some of us in our dark moments, that's how we feel. God, I'm just... Hanging on. What are you hanging on to? What you know to be true about Jesus. And I would ask you that. What is true about Jesus? Even if you don't know much about Jesus, what have you heard? Can we shout it out? Jesus is love. Jesus will forgive you. Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. We just covered that one earlier. Come on, everyone should have jumped at that one. I just gave you that one, right? What do we know? Jesus hears you. Jesus can do the impossible. Jesus is God's son. Jesus offers us life. Jesus offers us a fresh start. Jesus defeated death. Pick one. Hang on to it. Clamp down. Cling to those truths. Because in your dark moment, you're going to need something to hang on to. And a theology book 
You're going to want to let go of that. An experience and a feeling. It's going to be, you might let go of that. A sermon, you're definitely going to let go of that. But the truth of who Jesus is, cling. Cling to that truth. And I would encourage you as a practical step in that, if that's where you're at, right? It's all about being practical. I told you practically, come to Jesus, go do something, go walk, go pray, go worship, go open the Bible. Well, simply put, if you don't, if you're clinging right now, write those statements out. Write it down in your phone. Post them around your house. Buy art on Amazon that has that somewhere written on it. Make it your phone, wallpaper, text people about it, journal about it, reread those scriptures that you know are the simple truths about who Jesus is and meditate on those, soak in those, marinate in those. Just let that be the thing that you cling to in this moment. And I believe these two takeaways from Mary and Martha can help us reassemble our faith in the dark. I believe Jesus reassembles faith in dark moments not just well-lit, easy life moments. I believe Jesus reassembles faith in the dark. We don't always see it, but in a moment like this with Mary and, Mary and Martha, Jesus shows up and, and is often, you know, if you looked at that moment, everyone on the surface would have said, this is a moment where Jesus forgot and Jesus didn't show up in time and God missed something. It's actually a time where faith is being reassembled. Before showing up, Jesus is with the disciples and he's timing it just right. And he tells them in verse 15 why he's going to show up when he does, which is to build faith, right? In John eleven fifteen, he says this. So he told them plainly, this is with the disciples before he shows up with Mary and Martha in their house. Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Jesus was reassembling the faith of the disciples through this moment. Later on, after the uh, interactions with Mary and Martha, before he resurrects Lazarus, what happens, right? He goes and he prays and he tells them to roll the stone out of the way and Lazarus, come forth, right? And they record his prayer. He says, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of those people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Lazarus comes back. Oh, it's awesome. It's incredible, right? Verse 45, we skip ahead. But many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. If I saw a dead guy come back to life, that would be incredible. I think we would all agree. YouTube moment. But the faith that is reassembled in this moment is truly life-changing. The faith of the disciples, the faith of Mary and Martha, the faith of everyone sitting around watching this happen is reassembled in this dark, heavy moment. Because Jesus reassembles faith in dark moments. And so if you find yourself in a dark season right now, you, you find yourself feeling forgotten or overlooked or abandoned by God, I, I would encourage you, don't, don't get mad, don't kick rocks, don't give up. 
but allow this to be a catalyst for what Jesus wants to rebuild so that our faith could be stronger and healthier than ever before. Church, let's pray. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you want to take your next step in following Jesus, fill out the digital connect card at thehubcitychurch.com connect. We'd love to celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life.